0: So hmm. I think I asked Beth Lynn and Beth Lynn's looking at me like she had no trust in her eyes whatsoever. <laughs> she's looking at me like, I don't trust this guy. I don't know what he's up to, but he's shady as can be. Because I got that lost strange. Right, stranger danger.
1: It's totally right? stranger. stranger danger. Hell yeah. <laughs>
0: totally yeah, yeah. So Beth Lynn's looking at me and she's like, <laughs> She's she's seen shady people before. So I'm like I'm like, did you look inside the backpack? Like, whose is it? And she's like I don't know, like, I don't know, Bethlyn, you tell me. Like, I feel like you were going to tell me to just go to hell and, like, don't worry about it. We found this backpack. It's ours.
2: Yeah. We were, like, not wanting because of how we found the name. We were, Mindy and I are both in the medical world. So I think there's, like, a HIPAA thing for us. And I found the name on medication that was in the pack. So we were already being a little cautious about that. Plus, to us, you were some lunatic. <laughs> um, and Mike, the first thing Mike says is, Oh, I have this Facebook group. Sounds like a search and rescue. And we're like, This guy's full of it. Totally full of it. And then he's like, tries to go on his phone and he like crouches down and he's like, I don't have any service. And I'm like, Yeah, buddy, whatever. And he tells us the story. And Lindy and I are both standing there like, We've also had a long day. And I'm like, No way. This guy's full of it. Um, but I am a lunatic, so I carry um, my business cards with me when I hike. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I am my, my business. Yeah, <laughs> a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I ended up. We ended up telling him the name, and he was like, "Oh, uh, he, this is the thing that I think always sticks with me, Mike. Is you said." Oh, I know the story. This guy's from Amesbury, Mass., and I'm from Amesbury, Mass., and then you can take it from there, Mike.
3: Broadcasting from the Woodpecker's studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. All
0: right, Stomp, uh, episode 18 here.
3: 18. So we, we can vote.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can vote. Yeah. yeah, you can pay rent. You can pay your taxes. You can buy cigarettes. You can skydive.
0: You're out of the house, Stomp.
1: Yeah. <laughs> skydive? You can skydive. And uh, I think you can buy a pet. <laughs>
0: Yes Oh tattoo You can get a tattoo Tattoo
1: Yeah Yeah tattoos are cool Unless you have a hip replacement Then you have to like go Get medications for two weeks And then two weeks after And like uh, Nah that's a nightmare You
0: said you weren't <laughs> going to talk about hips anymore so. Oh shit um, did you, Sorry when You were 18 Did you Did you live in the house Or what did you I don't really know your origin story uh, like, Did you? your parents kick you right out of the house Or were you No I I, I you was home?
1: I was hanging with my folks Um through my early years of college and um, and then I got married and I was going to physical therapy school um, so we moved into this little dumpy apartment in uh, Beverly Cabot Street Beverly overlooking the water it was pretty funky so yeah I mean I was at home most of the time but and that's really funny because now my folks are living here with me and while they look for roads. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: So it's the same exact situation. You've always kind of struck me as a mama's boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, so, um, yeah, so we're 18. That's very, uh, very great news for us. So there's a couple of housekeeping things we want to talk about. We, We need money, right? Well, yeah, for sure. Is that what we want to talk about?
1: We have expenses. All right. Um, so,
0: don't you have some updates, right? We've got we, we're gonna we have a way to beg for money, and then we actually have some sponsors coming up, right? Yeah,
1: we've been doing some some chatting, and um, it seems as though there are two methods that may be beneficial and may interest some of the listeners. Uh, the first being just a. a A blanket donation to help us cover some of the costs for the monthly uh, web hosting, podcasting hosting, and this and that. And then a second way that we were thinking about doing would be if you're a listener and you want to donate to the New Hampshire Outdoor Council or directly to one of the SAR teams, search and rescue teams, if you can show us a receipt of that, then we'll give you a plug on the, the next show. And we're using a website. We looked into a few different platforms and we found this cool website it's called buy me a coffee and um, we did some batting around about whether or not we should do it and it looks pretty cool the website address for the podcast is buymeacoffee.com right slash slasher podcast which is s-l-a-s-r podcast just to summarize if you want to make a donation to uh, New Hampshire Fishing Game or one of the search and rescue teams, if you can provide us with a receipt, do so. You can send it to slasherpodcast at gmail.com or just get a hold of us and send us an image on uh, Instagram or Facebook. If you're a sponsor looking for a regular rotation in the podcast, then um, just send us a direct message on one of those platforms and we can um, talk about getting your business on the show. Pretty exciting times. Sort of nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or you can just send me money. (laughs) Hit me up on Instagram and send me money. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, big things happening. So we'll have more updates on sponsors. And, you know, if you want to donate through Buy Me a Coffee or or however, Um, that's cool. We'll have some links so you can donate directly to the search and rescue organizations as well. Uh, But, Stomp, just changing subjects here. You and my notes here, you had asked me to remind you... Something about your neighbor's car got broken into. So I don't I don't know what you're talking about here, but I'm curious.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. It was last Sunday morning. I was in the um, the studio editing because Mike changed me up to the studio and has me edit all the time. I don't get out too often. But um, Sunday morning, my folks come down like, hey, the police are here. Um, apparently, the neighbor's car got broken into. So I'm like, all right. So I come up and I see the officers out there, and uh, there's the the car. They, you know, our lot's fairly small. We have about four or five cars in the lot, and uh, the officers saying, "Yeah, the um, the neighbors' their car got busted into, and a lot of stuff got ripped up, and uh, you know, food scraps and you name it." And uh, when they said that, my blood ran cold because um, you know my truck is there. I've got a lot of my search and rescue stuff, and I'm like, oh damn it! So the night before there was a party going on and you know just my mind's rolling like oh my god what if somebody came into the lot you know so i go over to my my truck and i, I do a 360 around the truck and all the windows are intact i look at my my folks car next to mine all the windows are there i get to the back rear passenger window and i see uh, a palm print on the window so I, I immediately look up and I look over at the office 30 feet away. And I'm like, hey, there's a print on my, my window.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And um, she comes over and looks at it. And it was funny because it was like, it was dirty. Like, that's sort of weird. So she looks at it and she immediately looks looks at me and goes, that's a bear print. Oh my God, are you kidding me? There, there was nothing wrong with the car. There was a giant print on the window. And I turn around, I look closer at my, my mom's car and, Another bear print on the
0: window. So they're just kind of looking in to see if they can smell food or something?
1: Well, it, it goes beyond that. There's a history of a bear that has been terrorizing Thornton. It knows how to open doors of cars. It just roams around lot to lot. It opens doors and gets into the car. So, long story short, the neighbor's car was unlocked. So, the bear got into the car, started eating the leather seats and just all the snacks that were left around. Um, Pretty amazing. So, that's the story. It wasn't a break-in, thank God, but it's this 300-pound black bear that knows how to open doors and it's just roaming around the city. And... (laughs)
0: They're getting that, smart. That's crazy. Because remember we talked about, like, um, parking at Trailheads. And, like, we said, like, everyone says, like, oh, you shouldn't, like, lock your doors because <laughs> if somebody's going to break in to steal something, like, it's better to do that than then have you- get your windows smashed. But now I'm, like, exactly. I'm conflicted because, like, do you keep your door unlocked so that the people that are going to break into your car don't smash your window? Or do you... <laughs> Keep the door unlocked and risk a bear ripping your car apart. Well, if you're in Thornton, you want to keep your door locked. (laughs) The police
1: don't know where the bear is. I have seen at least a 300-pounder down by the Mad River Tavern. goes into the the oil bin that they use out back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures of that before.
1: Oh, yeah. And this guy stood up tall, and he had to be like nine feet tall. I mean, it was just amazing. So it may be the same one. I don't know. But that's what's happening in the the quiet, sleepy town of Thornton.
0: Do you have a uh, like a, a camera that points out to the parking lot?
1: Uh, no, I do not. But mm, that's I'm a, so curious about doing that.
0: The audience needs to donate to buy a, buy a coffee, and we'll use that money to put a camera out, and we'll <laughs> share the video with you. So there you go. I'm always thinking stuff. <laughs> yes, um, yes, industrious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think so. We stop. We got a couple of guests here. I got my friends Mindy and Beth Lynn are here. You guys want to say hello for a sec?
2: Hello, hi, friends.
0: We're happy to have them here. And tonight we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about unlikely friendships, weird coincidences, and overcoming obstacles to achieve things that sometimes seem out of reach. So uh, Mindy and Beth Lynn are going to be here to talk about their recent finish of the New Hampshire Four Thousand Footer List. Um, we'll get into a little bit of their experiences hiking over the last couple of years. And then we've got a good story about how I met them while hiking down the Jewel Trail, not the Jewel Trail, but the Jewel Trail. Um, and this story involves a search and rescue, a lost backpack, and a, a segment where Mindy and Beth Lynn starred on New Hampshire Chronicles. So it'll be a good good time to talk with them. And then later in the show, We'll cover some recent search and rescue news, and then Stomp may even have a few more tick jokes for us. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's
1: get started.
0: Top. So Stomp, um, before we get into bear discussion and recent hikes, um, I did want to call out Bethlyn is here, and there's a couple things you guys have in common. One is she loves cats like you do, and the other is she's a huge fan of your tick jokes. So I wanted you guys to... (laughs) Oh, that's awesome so uh how
1: many cats i have two cats two okay well i have three and uh according to the poll that we took i think i was what 60 percent dog though if i remember correctly 60 or 70 so
2: i was more dog but i'm obsessed with the cats
1: yeah isn't that funny oh that's awesome have you found any uh, ticks on your cats this year Speaking of tick jokes.
2: I have not. They're indoor cats only. So, so far I've been lucky. I When I first got them, my cat zucchini had a tick and I lost my mind because I love your tick jokes, but I hate ticks.
1: Zucchini. What the, how did the, how did you name the the other cats? Are they similar? Or?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. They're the stir fry kittens. Stir fry kittens. So I had pepper and Vidalia onion. And I have zucchini and cauliflower Cordelia right now. Um, That's awesome. But we call cauliflower Cordelia CC.
1: Are you a uh, vegetarian?
2: No, I'm not vegetarian. <laughs> no, I just really like the names.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Because they're ridiculous and so on. So,
0: so if, you, if you have a good idea for a name, do you just immediately go out and get a cat?
2: <laughs> um, Actually, No. <laughs> I actually want to get some more cats um, and maybe a dog, but they're going to be named after mountains going forward. Yeah, that's
0: a good call. I like that theme better.
2: I'm done with the vegetables.
0: Nice. <laughs> and then Stomp, she's like the one and only fan of your tick jokes. Jack, oh, so,
3: uh,
0: I know you said you had a couple tick jokes. I don't know if you you want to do those now or you want to hold them to the end? I can drop the tick bomb anytime you want. You might as well get them off your
1: skin. Oh. <laughs> Alright, well, I hope listeners aren't getting tired of my antics But I do have a few more Let me uh, pull them up here for a second I wrote them down So <laughs> My last few relationships have drained the life from me I'm something of a tick magnet
0: Oh, this is getting worse <laughs>
1: thank you thank you thank you I'm here all week now what's the difference oh see look at they're dying let's just give them a minute to catch their breath definitely I'm never gonna (laughs) forgive you for encouraging I'm sorry
2: Mike it's fine
1: (laughs) alright so (laughs) what's the difference between a tick and the Eiffel Tower anybody nothing they're both parasites oh (laughs) Okay,
0: moving on to drink discussion here. So,
1: hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta wrap up with my my new strain here. So, so there, there you go. Those are the last two tick jokes on earth. They were so hard to find. I had to use my compass
0: because it's magnetic. Oh boy! The only thing that's gonna save you with these is you put the sound drop in. It makes it look funny. So.
1: Um <laughs> yeah, so seriously, I, I promise, that's my last tick joke, but I do have a new strain. If maybe we could do something with like this, ready? What did they name the old man of the mountain after it fell? I give up. Hmm?
0: I give up. Cliff! <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. We're moving on. This is horrible. (laughs) This is horrible. So, um, typically right now, we talk about uh, uh, beer and drink discussions. So, Stomp, what do you got tonight? Anything? Oh,
1: man. Just some generic red wine, but um, I just want to say I had a uh, last night at the Italian farmhouse in, I believe it's Plymouth, there was a pomegranate citrus with ginger root infused vodka and it was absolutely amazing so i just like forget the red wine tonight but last night's drink that i had with my folks we went out to dinner unbelievable i I guess it's tamworth distillery have you heard of this
0: place i've never heard of it but what so explain what is an italian farmhouse in new hampshire it it can't possibly be good oh it's one of the best
1: it's amazing it's actually part of the common man um chain so okay have you been there to that particular place
2: Yes, I used to cater for them when I was in college.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, it's just past downtown Plymouth. You know, you pass the monkey and um, a few miles down, and it is top tier, man. It's really great. Cool ambiance, old farmhouse um, ambiance, great food, good times. Yeah, great stuff.
0: And great drinks. All right, Well, very cool. So it's a new place. I got to check out Plymouth. I just never get over on that side because I'm always closer to North Conway. But I, I will check it out if I do. Well worth way. it. Absolutely well worth it. The only time I was ever in Plymouth was was drunken nights in college. Unfortunately. So. Mike,
2: I went to Plymouth for college.
0: Oh, did you? Oh boy, what year did you graduate? You're going to give away your age, but I'm sorry. Two 2000-
2: thousand. Oh, I don't care. 2002.
0: Oh, two thousand and two. Oh, oh, geez, I was, I was, I was married with my first kid by then. So, but I was. In the early '90s. So up, tonight, I am drinking. as my, is my tradition, an IPA, and it's from uh, Switchback Brewing. So it's pretty good. I, I feel like I drink this every time I go out to a restaurant. Like Switchback IPA is on the menu, so I usually will get this quite a bit. So it's good beer. The only complaint I have is that like the angling of the label is just not correct. Like when you look at the label, the 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 mouth where you should be drinking is like right here. But it's not. It's like over here. So uh, they lose points for that. It's weird. That's it. So uh, Mindy or Bethlen, are you are you drinking? Do you guys drink? I feel like you guys don't drink. I don't know why I think that. But...
2: I don't drink often, but I am having some wine
4: tonight. Oh, very good. I'm having the um, hiker's choice drink. It's water. Tonight. <laughs> it's water.
0: Okay. All right. So Stomp, we're into onto recent hikes. So um, have you done anything?
1: <sighs> I, well, you know, it's funny. Um, yeah, what was it? Last Wednesday, my wife and I went up to see the strawberry moon, the full moon, up on Welch, mm-hmm. and we made it up there and got there so early that we actually got sort of bored and left before the moon rise. <laughs> but there's a reason for everything, because that, um, that night, that next morning, I got a call for a rescue at like 2:40 in the morning so glad we didn't stick around.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about you, Mike? Anything?
0: I did. I was uh we had a little family gathering up in Maine, so I took my um my wife's cousins, uh, you know, my wife her, her family was visiting, so I was able to take one of her cousins uh, her husband up to uh, South Moat so he wanted to get out quickly so they have a little little baby boy that's been running them ragged so uh, I was able to kind of <laughs> give him a little bit of guy time so we we just went off from Pasca Conway we did a quick hike up to South Moat and you know that that hike is like when and I, I tell people like they're like, oh, I want to go for a hike. What's a cool hike? I always, you know, I will recommend South Moat just because it's a pretty easy hike. Mm-hmm. If you're in the North Conway area, like it's it's probably about five and a half miles. It does get steep at the end, but the views are like unbelievable. I mean, you look out to the presidentials, you look down into the Sandwich Range, the Osprey Range, and then you've got that view down into North Conway. So it's it's an awesome hike. Hmm. So we had a good time.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I've been meaning to get over there myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. We got to do that traverse sometime. That's that's the uh, that's the hike that me and you got to go on stomp, so we'll get it. Yeah, sounds good. Very good. So do we want to, uh, we, we good to transition into the first segment here to introduce Mindy and Beth Lynn?
1: Let's do it. Looking forward to this.
0: Very good. So um, I, like I said in the intro, I invited Mindy and Beth Lynn on because they've got some cool stories to share with us. So I think we want to do a quick introduction for both of them, and then uh, we'll transition into a little bit of a, a story about a search and rescue that uh, the three of us were involved in. So I think to start off with Mindy, um, can you just introduce yourself and give a little bit of background on um, you know, where you're from, what you do, and, and talk a little bit about your background in hiking?
4: Okay, sure. So I, um, I'm a school nurse in Connecticut. And uh, I have the summers off, so I live and work at my favorite place, which is a summer camp in Freedom, New Hampshire, during the summertime. Uh, I'm not at all someone that you would think is a hiker, at least in my opinion. I'm someone who grew up feeling incredibly shy, was incredibly shy, lacked self-confidence. I was not athletic at all. In fact, I was so unathletic that when I was even in the marching band, I was probably the second least coordinated person in the in the marching band. I have a fear a fear of heights. I didn't participate in any sports. Nothing.
0: (laughs) So you have the perfect resume for athletic pursuits like hiking. Then
4: right, perfect. It's a it's perfectly lined up. Everyone (laughs) could have predicted that I would have become this person that hiked all the four thousand footers for sure. (laughs) Uh, You know, in my in my twenties, I had something called pot syndrome which is a fast heart rate and a fainting problem mm-hmm. and then in so i didn't do anything athletic then either because i was just trying to hide this problem and here i am talking about it on a podcast something that i tried to hide <laughs> for all of my 20s and then um in my 30s it got very bad and i uh was kind of used to feeling bad all the time and i was in a subway restaurant and I was making, ordering my sandwich. You know, I'd like the bread. I would like, you know, the cheese. And I could feel myself not feeling well, but I had to finish the sandwich. I was committed to the sandwich. But I didn't make it to the end. And I, I woke up on the floor. And the customers in there, they called the ambulance. Um, that pretty much led them to finding out I was very anemic, which led to a cancer diagnosis at that time. So that was why I had gotten so sick. Um, so that uh, that was pretty serious time for me and a life changer for sure Mm. so once I was lucky enough that they treated the cancer the anemia got better they got me the right meds right doctor and I just started to work hard to get better to be able to walk around and be you know kind of like everybody else I got on the live strong team I got on an exercise bike I my friend Jen convinced me to walk a marathon to raise money for Dana-Farber and then I got to this point, my three-year cancer anniversary, I was feeling really good. And I thought, I wonder if I can hike a mountain. I just needed to prove to myself that I was healthy, mm-hmm. you know, that I was like, okay, because I didn't believe it. So I got some friends and we went, we hiked Mount Major. I made it up there and I loved it. And I kept wanting to go. Mm-hmm. That's how I became a hiker. <laughs> that was 2016, I'd say.
0: Now the the summer camp that you work at, like you look right at Mount Chikora all day long, right?
4: I uh, I think if I was on if I was on the lake because we are on the we are on the, if I'm out on the lake I can see Mount Chikora so I think yeah it's it's kind of behind us.
0: Uh, did you ever like look up and say like oh I want to hike that someday?
4: You know, interestingly, all this time that I have been coming up here since I was a little kid, I had no idea what any of these mountains were. I would just look at them and say those are mountains. Now I have, now I just am obsessed with the mountains. I keep looking at them and I think, did I hike that one? How about that one? <laughs> it's it changed my whole world. Looking at the same place I've looked at since you know since I was a little kid.
0: Very cool, very cool. All right, so hold that thought, Mindy. We will uh, we're going to get back to you um, in a minute. But Beth Lynn, I wanted to sort of ask you the same questions. If you could just introduce yourself. Uh, talk a little bit about your background and how you got into hiking.
2: Sure. Hi, I'm Beth Lynn. I live in Conway, New Hampshire. Um, so I'm local to all the mountains and I actually moved here because I'm obsessed with the mountains. Um, <laughs> So I work in the local community health center as a pediatric medical assistant. Um, and I'm in school to get my, um, nursing license. Um, I'm taking my college courses. I went back to school, um, for a totally different career. Um, but I actually got in, it all kind of connects because I got my, um, interest and love for hiking at the same summer camp that Mindy was talking about. Um, I was a trip leader and I did overnights with the teenagers. Um, so I got my wilderness first responder and then I went on while I was in college to get my wilderness EMT. I did mountain leadership school to be able to lead those hikes. So in the early 90s into the late 90s, I was doing a lot of hiking um, and loved it And then I, um, maybe got into some, went to college and got into some unhealthy habits and there was some transition of different state. I lived in some different States. And eventually, um, I moved, made my way back to New Hampshire, which was like ultimately where I would always wanted to live and stay and work and play. And so I moved back up here in 2007. Um, and it's been home ever since, but I, um, hadn't gotten back into hiking really until 2016. And I'd wanted to, I just wasn't fit enough yet. Like I wasn't healthy enough yet. Um so I quit some of my bad habits <laughs> and um and then I watched Mindy actually start doing she was doing her marathon walking and I was watching that happen because we were still connected because of the camp. Um, although maybe we'll get into it a little later. Mindy and I were not friends. <laughs> We did not like each other. Um, so I was kind of watching her on social media um, and um, watching her do some things. And then I saw her hike and she had said um, she wanted to do another hike. And I had just recently hiked Washington with some of my gym friends. I have a community of people from the gym that I go to and um it wasn't the best experience. It was the first time I'd hiked a four thousand footer um, since the nineteen nineties, and I struggled. And so a couple of weeks later, Mindy said that she wanted to go, and so we went. And that's kind of where it takes Very off. From interesting. There.
0: So that's similar to me. Like I, I, I mean, I always was sort of running and staying in shape, but I didn't get into hiking until sort of later, um, into my sort of late thirties. So it's, you know, I think people tend to find it but you you sort of loved it and then came back uh, to it but stop we're gonna have to like you're gonna have to recruit her into the uh the search and rescue world if she's got her first responder um lessons yeah yeah
2: oh it's expired now but i still love it all i want to recertify
1: yeah what what was your first mountain what was the first 4k that you did
2: the first one i ever did was carter dome
1: oh nice that's a that's a cool hike
2: with 10 or 8 14 year olds
1: Oh God! <laughs> oh, never mind.
2: <laughs> we stayed at Zeta Pass. That was when Zeta Pass was still open for camping.
1: Wow! And what was the mountain that you did when you got back into it?
2: Uh, Washington. Go
1: Ooh, big or go that's, home. That's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, hey, we'll we'll take you. Yeah.
0: So so why don't you guys talk about how you hated each other? I'm I'm interested in that piece. <laughs> so you guys. So you somehow you both sort of like kind of. Touching on hiking, but you you sort of on social media you were aware of each other, and then somehow you connected. So let's let's hear the story. Mostly, I'm interested about how you hated each other, but like then, how did you get into like being hiking buddies?
4: You go ahead, Mindy. You want to tell it? I'm gonna ha- hit <laughs> Mindy. Okay, I'll go ahead. So Bitly and I are close in age, kind of. Except if you work at summer camp, <laughs> if you work at a summer camp, I the age that I was in charge of. Beth Lynn and so I was into you know let's make sure we follow the rules and you know do all the things and Beth Lynn she was just very happy and very shiny and sparkly which I, I was not she liked earrings and makeup and I was really a girl so I don't <laughs> I don't know what else to say we, we just looked at each other and just said no thank you I think that was it we just kind of stayed away from it. yeah we had different interests on our
2: days off <laughs>
4: Yeah. But I I actually asked Beth Lynn to come with me on one of the hikes because it was one of my first hikes. And um, I thought, I'm going to need all the help I can get. (laughs) And so I knew Beth Lynn had a history of hiking. She lived in the area and I had just seen that she had hiked. So and I I also know Beth Lynn is smart. So I thought, I'm just going to see if she wants to come with me. And she said, yes. I was really excited to go too. Yeah. I was really excited. I was like, oh, Mindy wants
2: to hike with me. This will be interesting. It's either going to be a really great day or a really long, terrible day. (laughs) Um,
0: So you guys come from sort of two different backgrounds, two different perspectives, but and I I had, we had the hiking buddies on a few weeks ago and like this, it's like a constant problem. Like if you don't I hike solo, so I don't really care. But if you don't want to hike solo, like sometimes you just have to, like, even you have to roll the dice and say, like, even though maybe I come from a different world from this person, you know, let's just get together and get out on the trails. And sometimes it works. Most of the time, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, it sounds like you guys made a somehow whatever was sort of perceived as differences. It sounds like you guys worked through those and became friends, right?
4: (laughs) Times change. Oh, she's one of
2: my best friends now. We probably text that's cool. I don't know 6 to 8 times a day sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little ridiculous. And it's usually about hiking, but
0: <laughs> Well, I think so that's that's good. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about your um, you know, your journey on the 4000 footer list and uh, but before we get into that, I did want to share a story with the audience about how I actually met. So, Stomp, you haven't met Beth Lynn and Mindy, but I met them on the trail. Mm-hmm. And it was a, like an unforgettable day for me because it involved them finding an old backpack from a search and rescue that happened in 2014. So, yeah. it ended up that they ended up getting a starring role on New Hampshire Chronicle because of it. So, But they, they, they sort of boxed me out. I didn't get my glory on New Hampshire Chronicle. But we'll... <laughs> um we'll we'll talk a little bit about it but i'll talk a little bit about the intro here and then i'll ask mindy and bethlin to kind of fill in the holes
3: slashers hiking topic of the week
0: So this story involved a, a search and rescue event from 2014. And I, around that time, had just started hiking. So I think, I don't know, Stomp, like I remember I did that first winter hike with you and Jimmy Chaga. Yeah. Might have been around that time. Like, that, you know, it might have been, you know, in the, the summertime after we went hiking. I can't remember what year we did that. But it was right around the time I got into hiking. And there was a search and rescue event that came out and it was a guy that had a rescue on the Jewel Trail. So this guy was hiking with his sons and the reason why I remember it so vividly is cuz I saw the news report come out the day after it happened mm-hmm. and the guy was from my hometown. So I live in Amesbury, Mass. and it was in the local paper that it happened and I was like reading the story and it's probably one of the the worst stories you'll ever read for search and rescue. And I used to tell, like my kids went through this period, a little bit of a segue here, but my kids went through this period where they used to say, you're the worst father in the world when they would get mad at me. (laughs) And I would always talk about this story about this guy that a judge let him out of jail so that he could go to the hospital to give his son like a a kidney transplant or something. Hmm. And this guy, like instead of him going to the hospital to give this kid a kidney, took off to Mexico with his girlfriend. So I always used to tell that story to my kids and I'd be like, I'm not the worst father in the world because that guy <laughs> is forever the worst father in the world because he didn't give his kid a kidney when he told the judge he was going to give his kid a kidney. Nice. So nice this story that happened in Mount Washington <laughs> is a similar scenario where The guy was hiking with his two sons, right? They go up Mount Washington. They're coming down the Jewel Trail. The news report of this is that what happened was is that him and his sons get into an argument on the trail, right? This happens sometimes, especially when you're hiking with family. And the news report says basically they got into an argument and then the guy got pissed off and the sons got pissed off and the sons took off and left this guy on the mountain. (laughs) You know, so the suns took off, they went home, they drove home. This guy's on the mountain, couldn't get off the mountain, had to call for a rescue on Mount Washington in like freezing weather. And the was found him. You know, basically, what happened is, is the kids took off, drove home to Amesbury. The, the whoever the wife or the family is saying, like, you know, where's your father? And they're like, we don't know. He's he's he's, he's We left him on the mountain. Hmm. So then the guy can't be found anywhere. So they call Fish and Game. Fish and Game puts in a rescue, a search and rescue on the Jewel Trail. Finds this guy ha- almost like he's hypothermic. Like they had to bring him to the hospital. And, you know, they, they, they basically published a story based saying that this guy had been hiking with his sons, got into an argument, the sons took off, and then he needed a rescue. That's intense. So I always used to say, like, those are the worst sons in the world because they left their father to die on the mountain. Right,
1: yeah, that's amazing. So
0: have you heard of this story before, Stan? Um,
1: I've actually heard it from you and bits and pieces about the backpack. So I'm really curious to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I always used to sort of joke, and it was the it was the incident that got me into search and rescue because before that, I had never it never occurred to me that like there's actually search and rescues that go on in the mountain. I just never had read about it. So mm-hmm. that's when I started getting interested in search and rescue. And then fast forward a couple of years, like I started sort of getting really interested in it and I started tracking search and rescue events in the media and I just kept the list going and then I would like reference it if my friends were asking questions. Um, so I always sort of was aware of search and rescue and then I started this dumb Facebook group called Sounds Like a Search and Rescue Call is Supposed to Happen and we used to joke about search and rescue calls. So fast forward to what, 2019, I go hiking with with the McLaughlin crew, which is my brother and my sister in law and my niece Addie, who's a, who was probably eight at the time. We went up the Cap Ridge, Caps Ridge Trail, hiked to Mount Jefferson. I then left them, went down the Sphinx Trail, then came up the Great Gulf Trail because I was I was redlining for the T twenty five, and then I met them on top of Mount Washington. We were hiking down the Jewel Trail and at some point my niece Addie kind of she was done she had a meltdown so me and my sister-in-law decided we were going to go ahead and we we had to we had to basically get our car at the cap Caps Ridge Trail so we had one car at Ammanusik and then one at Caps Ridge so we were like we'll hike ahead get the cars back and then by the time my brother and Addie get there Addie will be happy and we'll get our Dairy Queen's you know ice cream and she'll be happy so me and Marissa are Booking it down the trail. She's a trail runner. And so we were moving pretty fast. And as we're probably maybe about a mile away from the trailhead, maybe a little bit more than that, I come upon these two women and I'm like walking and I'm kind of done. I had hiked like probably 5,000 vertical feet. I had been down in the Great Gulf, climbed the Great Gulf headwall up to Mount Washington, and then dealt with Addie having a meltdown. And me and Marissa are like, we just got to get the car and get the kid out of here because we don't want her to be miserable. Mm. We we're coming down this hill on on the Jewel Trail, and I look and I see these two women, and I'm like, "What the hell are they doing?" <laughs> so they've got like their hiking poles, and they're on either end of the hiking poles, and then they've got this backpack that is like they're carrying it, and I'm like I'm like these I'm like these two women are lunatics, <laughs> like I don't know what they're doing. No, So they look at me and, and I look at them and I don't really know what the conversation was. But I, all I remember is I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, we found this old backpack. And I immediately got interested because I was like, oh, maybe there's a dead body somewhere. I, she gave me the name and I was like, I know that name. I don't know how I know that hmm. name, but I know the name. And I think I must have got cell connection somehow. So I looked it up and I was like, yeah, this is the guy from Amesbury. Then it clicked to me. And I think I explained to Beth, Lynn and Mindy, I was like, this backpack. So I think Mindy, you found the backpack, right?
4: Yeah, I, I found the backpack because you know nature called. So I had went off trail of the jewel trail, and I I didn't go too far in. I and I and I looked down, and it was sort of like in this gully, and it was covered in moss, like a lot of moss. And I uh, yelled out to Beth Lynn, Beth Lynn, there's this full backpack back here. And, <laughs> what are the uh, odds? <laughs> And I, I had to say, would you please come back here? Because I knew that Beth Lynn would open that. And I knew that I would not. So <laughs> she, as I predicted, went right down there and she began to open it. And I began to look around the area, the area very suspiciously. Because if you are going to find a whole backpack on the Jewel Trail, I don't think that anything good has happened here. I So I didn't want to say that to Beth Lynn and scare her. So instead I made it like a joke. I just said, uh, I'm looking around for Chester Copperpot, you know, from the Goonies. <laughs> the, the skeleton mm-hmm. that was the name of Chester Copperpot. So then she understood and then she got a little creeped out. But she opened it. Of course she did because she's... Mm-hmm. she's the brave one in the group. So Yeah,
0: you're going to you look, where's the bones, right? Yeah, right. Yes. So anyway, I come upon them and finally like, and they were like, uh, when I walked upon, I was like, there's no way these two are getting this backpack out of the woods like that because <laughs> it was so wet and gross. I think neither one of them wanted it to touch it. So they were just like, it's too gross. Like they physically were capable of getting it out, but you had to be, so what ended up happening is that I finally like, I still think Beth Lynn probably was like, this guy's a weirdo lunatic, but she was like, I'd rather have the weirdo lunatic carry this 60-pound backpack out of here than me having to deal with it. So eventually I was like, look, I'll take the backpack. My sister-in-law, Marissa, was like, why did you get involved in this? But anyway... I was like, I'll take the backpack and I'll find the guy in Amesbury. Like, I I went into like, you know, I was like detective mode. I was like, I'll find the guy and I'll give it back. It'll be a cool story, which I thought it would be a cool story. So... Finally, somehow I convinced them. I was like, look, I'll take the backpack. And they were like, they had the backpack between two poles. They were like trying to like carry it like you would carry a litter. And it was like sliding from one end to the other for them. And it was so funny. So finally, like Bethlehem gave gave me her card. Like who has a business card when they're hiking? Like that was great. I do. Yeah, Bethlehem has a business card. I was like, I'll never forget that. So I take the business card, and then um, I just put the backpack on. It was like a 60-pound backpack, and it's like soaking wet, and it's covered in moss. (laughs) And Marissa is like, I had a small backpack, so she carried my backpack, and um, we just hoofed it down to the Ammanusik Ravine parking lot, and I... Finally, like got the thing off of me and I'm covered in like this nasty, like muddy funk mm. uh, from the backpack. And Yummy. I was like, I'm done. And then Marissa, I think we had to drive up to the capital caps Ridge trail, get the other car. And then we met my brother and Addy. And then I took the backpack to Maine and eventually I got it down to my house. And then I was like, I'll drive to the guy's house. So I, I was able to find out his address because I stalked him on you know on the, the white pages, whatever. So I get there. Lunatic. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, lunatic. <laughs> so anyway, I found the guy's address. And, <laughs> but don't bump. Yeah, exactly. And then I know I, I go when I've got the backpack. <laughs> and I had already like I took the stuff out of the backpack when I got to Maine to dry it out a little bit because it was so gross. And the guy this guy was like, Stop I feel like this guy was your spirit animal because he had, like, all kinds of, like, unnecessary stuff in his backpack. And, like, it was he was not an ultralight hiker. He had, like... That's great. Yeah, he had a lot of cotton, like, heavy gear and stuff like that. And he had enough to... The one thing I'll give him credit for is he had enough to survive out there, I think. I think he just... We'll get into what actually happened. His sons did not abandon him on the trail, but we'll get into that. Um, Hmm. But, anyway... Fast forward, I go to the house, there's this nice old lady, she's about 100 years old, and I knock on the door and I'm like, you know, is the the guy's name, I won't give the guy's name out, but, you know, is he home? She's like, he's not home, he's up in New Hampshire, right? So I was like, all right, well, here's my number, I got his backpack from when he got lost in Mount Washington like six years ago. And finally the guy calls me and I go over there and um, I explain to him what happened I tell him like, look, I got your backpack. He's like, he was in shock that that like it actually was out there, but he was like, I, I sort of always wanted to kind of go out there, but he was an older guy and not really a hiker. I think that was the last time he had actually hiked, but he's a photographer. So it turns out the day that we were up there hiking, he was in the Caps Ridge parking lot taking pictures because he's like a nature photographer. So we found the backpack. We're running around to return it to the guy in Amesbury, and he's up in the parking lot at Caps Ridge at the same time that we're we're all running around trying to get the backpack out of the woods. So kind of a weird story, right, Stomp? Mm, yeah, totally, absolutely. Does, when you do like rescues like that, if like you find somebody and their backpack and stuff isn't around, do you guys spend any? Do you even spend a minute looking for their backpack, or do you just say forget it? We don't care.
1: Oh, we'll make an effort. Sure. Are you talking about a search or, like, a destination with a a patient or a victim?
0: Well, if you're rescuing somebody and, like, you find them and their backpack's not with them, like, I guess they must have just, like... Get,
1: if they don't know where it is, then we're moving on. I mean, we yeah, we're getting them out. You don't know where it is, you know, yeah, we're going to get you out and you can deal with the pack later. You can hike up tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, we're moving on.
0: Yeah, yeah, well... I mean, so I guess that's what happened in this case. But anyway, so we get the backpack back to the guy. And then, Beth Lynn, why don't you sort of talk about, like, what happened next and how you ended up on the Hampshire Chronicle?
2: So— Mindy and I came out of the woods. We were very grateful that this lunatic did come grab the bag from us. <laughs> After we gave it to Mike, we were kind of like, should we have done that? Who is he? And I was like, I just gave him my business card. He has all my information, but I don't have any of his. But Mike got back to me. He contacted me pretty quickly. Um, so we were in the parking lot. We verified Mike's story about this guy and So we felt much better about everything. We were grateful that he took the pack. And then we got kind of excited that maybe this pack is going to get back to the guy. So Mindy and I both posted on the 4,000 Footers Club on Facebook. Um And on our private Facebook pages and Sean McDonald, who is the anchor for WMUR saw one of the Facebook posts and contacted me and said, Hey, did this backpack, like what happened with the backpack? And so I said, this guy, Mike took it and he has it. And he's like, he's apparently from the same hometown. So he's going to bring it back to the guy. And Sean said, will you keep me posted? And I said, as long as Mike keeps me updated. Yes. And so then there was like two, three days of us all kind of being in contact. And then Mike got the pack back to the guy. And so I contacted Sean and said, the pack is back. The story has a complete ending now. Um, and he said, do you think you guys would want to be interviewed and be on the show? Could you ask Mike and Marissa? And so like within seconds i'm a very big extrovert i like talking to people and I like networking so as soon as sean mcdonald said can you do this Bethlyn?" i was like do 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 and i sent out a message and i was like hey you guys want to be interviewed can we get this together um and so that's kind of how that happened and then he did he kind of kept in touch with all of us and um contacted mindy and i for interviews and i think it was easier because we were in new hampshire um for him to interview us about finding it, and then he kind of took from there.
0: Yeah, I think you guys had offered me to like go up there, but I had to I had to work. It was pre COVID days, and I was I had to schlep into Cambridge to work <laughs> in the office. So midweek, it just wasn't going to happen. So, um, but they they were interviewed by New Hampshire Chronicle, and you know they interviewed the uh, you know the guy that had been lost. And the interesting part of the story and the, le- the big lesson that I learned on this one is that the initial news reports on these search and rescue events are sometimes like not what they're what they're cut out to, you know, they, they end up being wrong, quite frankly, like the news reports sometimes are um, are incorrect. So. The conversation I had with this guy and I went to him because I was curious. I was like, do you even, do you like talk to your son anymore? So I even said to him, I was like, dude, I can't believe your son like left you like that. And he was like, no, no, that's not what happened. And he's like, I think I just got confused. So what what he said ended up happening was, and it's a very weird story, but him and his sons hiked Mount Washington and I guess he had worked the night before and had just driven right up there early with his sons to go hike. They went up to Mount Washington, had a rough hike. You know, and, you know, this guy was not necessarily in the most physically fit situation to be out there doing Mount Washington. And I guess they got back. So they hiked Mount Washington. I don't know if they came up Ammanusik and then came down the cog or Jewel the jewel trail or something. They came down the jewel trail. So what this guy told me is that they, they hiked down the jewel trail, got to the parking lot. So I don't know if it was the cog parking lot or Ammanusik. And. His sons had driven separately, so they got in the car and left. For whatever reason, this guy, I don't know if he had like a diabetic episode or some other issue, but he, for whatever reason, had thought that he brought his dog along for the hike, which he didn't. And what he told me is, he's like, I thought I had the dog with me, and I forgot to bring him out of the woods, so I started heading back up. So this guy, I don't know, he was having some kind of a vision quest or something. Something happened where he just sort of like... Wasn't thinking straight, so the sons took off, figuring like, oh, he's back to the car, he's all set. This guy hiked up another mile up of the Jewel Trail, and then that's when I guess the sons got home that night. People were looking for the father. They called Fish and Game. Fish and Game activated a search, and then they ended up finding him. He was in pretty rough shape. It was a very, it was a pretty cold night, and he was pre hypothermic. And, you know, they had to, he was hospitalized for a couple of days after that. So I think somehow the news reports just misconstrued what happened and said that the sons, you know, they got into an argument and the sons took off. But it's, he said, the news said at this point, so I don't really know what happened. Um, but all I can tell you is that like the initial news reports, according to the victim, were not correct and that the sons were with him. But it does go back to this thing that I always tell people is when you're hiking with people and you're at the trailhead. You don't leave until you see that other car pull away. You know, somebody designates themselves as the sweep, and then you, everybody looks to see if that last car is moving, and then you're gone. So you don't let somebody sit in the parking lot. You've got to make sure they leave.
1: And as to the pack, if he was hypothermic, they're not going to be looking for a pack. They're packaging him, getting him moving. Pack yeah. is the last concern.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know, it's a crazy uh, so crazy story. But I'll... Um, I'll Link in the show notes the New Hampshire Chronicle episode because it was a fun episode. And the whole theme of it was like coincidences around the fact that, you know, we just happened to meet up. I sort of had the, the knowledge of the incident itself. And then the fact that Chris was actually in the Caps Ridge parking lot while this was all going on, you know, within like a mile of the whole thing. And the guy lives in Amesbury and I live in Amesbury. So it was a whole series of weird coincidences. And that was the theme of the, the New Hampshire Chronicle hmm. story.
4: That's mostly why we didn't believe you, Mike. <laughs> because I remember saying to you,
0: you're saying
4: that you're from the same town that I just pulled this backpack out of off the Jewel Trail in Massachusetts, and you looked very excited to take the backpack, and that's why I thought this guy is not telling the truth. <laughs> I knew.
0: Yeah, yeah, cuz I well, and the thing is is like I used to talk about this guy and I'd be like one of these days I want to run into this family and find out The real story, because I was always like, what is Thanksgiving dinner like for these guys? Like, the sons must not be allowed to go to Thanksgiving dinner with him.
4: (laughs) No idea. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, that's a pretty cool story, right, Stomp?
1: Yeah, it is. So, he was interviewed by Chronicle, the, the hiker.
0: Yeah, he was. And Beth Lynn and Mindy were as well.
1: Interesting. And the sons weren't.
0: No, the Suns, I don't know. They, they probably just want to forget about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'd like to read the report. I think I might dig up the report and just read it to see what uh, Fishing Game wrote. I mean, you have to think, the media writes based upon what Fishing Game releases. You always have to remember that.
0: Yeah, and I don't know with, you know, I talked to the hiker and... You know, his memory wasn't super sharp about the whole thing, admittedly. He, even he said, like, you know, it was a it was a rough period for me. So is hmm. what it is, but it's a cool story. It is. But Mindy and Bethlin, I do want to transition into, so the search and rescue piece was one of the main reasons I wanted to have you guys on here, but the other thing, I, the other reason why I wanted to have you on is you both recently finished the New Hampshire 4,000-footer list together, and... I've said this before, and I'll 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 say it again. It's like I feel like in the hiking community, like some of these like ultra runners and ultra hikers like suck up all the oxygen in the room, and that's all you ever hear about. And to me, I follow a lot of people on social media, and the two of you and your journey to finish the four thousand footers was probably one of the more inspiring um, sort of um, completions of the 4,000 footers that I've seen. And I care more about sort of like people that are kind of grinding every weekend and getting it done and, you know, developing friendships through hiking than I do about like anybody that's doing the fastest known time or doing these ultra runs or anything like that. So I wanted to, um, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your journey on the 4,000-footers. So you talked a little bit about your friendship. So you were sort of like oil and water to start with. But over time, I mean, you guys clearly, like, found some common ground and and have been good friends. So, Mindy, can you talk a little bit about, like, you talked a little bit about your sort of diagnosis with cancer and your fears around hiking. Um, But how did you overcome this? And at what point did you feel like, you know what, I can really – you know, it's very likely I'll be able to achieve uh, completing the, the four thousand footer list.
4: Well, my friend Tom was very good in getting me on a starter hike to a little bit of a harder hike. Uh, so he started me on Mount Major and then Mount Monadnock and then he got me to Mount Pierce. So it was sort of like this thing where I was in this new healthy body and I was fine. Well, kind of healthy body. I was finding that I could, I could actually do these things to my surprise. So I just. I just kept doing things that were a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And, uh, Beth Lynn and I met up probably on my, I might've been my fifth or sixth mountain, I want to say. And, uh, Beth Lynn is very, as I said, we're different. So she was very goal oriented and, uh, she kept saying things like, we are going to hike all of the 4,000 footers. And I, I pretty much just ignored that because I did not, there was no possible way that I was capable of that. No way, but I did. I just wanted to kind of keep hiking and so did Beth Lynn. So we just kind of kept going and Beth Lynn kept talking about it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And you know, the more that we did it, the more that, you know, we would look at the next hike and I would say, okay, well, that's only a little bit harder than this one that we did last time. So I, um, so I, I signed up to just, just keep going. And that's what we did. I just, I really liked being outside. I really, I liked that hiking kind of took my mind off of things. You basically are going to concentrate on your, your, where your feet are and the conversation. I just love it. All of it. I just kept going.
0: Very cool. So Bethlyn, you, you were the one that sort of had the plan, like, all right, I'm going to do the, this 4,000 footer list. And Mindy started hiking with you, but, um, can you can you talk a little bit about like you know was it was it very focused and you said like I'm doing this from the beginning or was it just let's try it out for a few hikes and then then we'll we'll, we'll transition into doing the list
2: I think it started a little bit more organically like th- than that we started with Washington and then that was the first hike that Mindy and I did together um, and then I think I had some friends from, my local community, um, that we had been kind of hiking a little bit more ourselves. So, they wanted to do Franconia Ridge, and I'd never done that. And Mindy and I, Mindy had posted something about wanting to do Franconia Ridge. So, I said, hey, I have some friends that want to do it. Do you want to join us? She said, yes. So, we did that. That was like our second hike together. And I had told my friends, I was like, this girl that I like... <laughs> Kind of grew up with, but we don't really. <laughs> Nash is going to come with us, but we've already hiked together. It's going to be fine. And it was like I really think that that Franconia Ridge probably solidified us. It was the first time I actually wore my. I so I don't know if um, I know I haven't said this yet, but I hike in a Wonder Woman tank top. Okay um and that's the first time i wore the wonder woman tank top was on franconia ridge um and some shenanigans happened on the hike and so that kind of solidified our friendship and then after that i said we should do like joking around again i was like mindy we should do katahdin and then we did do we hiked katahdin um and so i said we just did the hardest mountain like katahdin I never thought I would do, like, I never, ever thought I would hike Katahdin, ever. And then Mindy and our friend Tom and my husband, we all hiked um, Katahdin together and ended up running the last three miles in the rain. So I was like, we did that. We did that. We can do anything. I was like, Mindy, we love, we still love hiking after all these crazy experiences. We've got to keep going. And that's kind of when I said, we're going to do the 4,000 footers. Um and she kind of laughed at me. And then I just, she would say, hey, you want to hike? And I said, yep, let's pick a 4,000 footer. And then we just kept going. And so then we got closer and closer and COVID happened. And I was like, Mindy, we can go every weekend. we did, I hiked 26 mountains last summer season alone. And yeah. Mindy, I think when I looked at it, she did 18 or 19. Jeez. So, cause go she way. had done- Epic eight that I hadn't done so I had a friend that did the ones that Mindy had done with me um, so I could catch up
0: got it and then I feel like um, yeah like I feel, I definitely like sort of I think we talked over over email or, or messenger or, or a few times about like trip planning and whatnot but I do feel like you guys were getting out like every weekend hitting at least you know one 4,000 footer hike and probably getting a couple of peaks in at a time but who um, what are the roles like who who organizes and who navigates and and all that when you're hiking?
2: So when we when we met you, Mike, yep. was the first hike that Mindy and I ever did, just to the two of us, um, and I was the trip leader planner. Okay. So I had memorized our whole route and our escape routes and <laughs> like anything like that. Um, so that, but that hike was kind of also was a pivotal point for us because. All of that happened, but we met you, and so from meeting you on that hike, that was our first hike, but you were our first trail friend, just so you know. You were our first trail friend, and Mindy and I have both had discussions about this. We feel like we've only met Mike that one moment in the woods in actual person, but we've had more conversations and discussions about hiking and so Mike is one of our like top trail friends
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's weird like I think like Stomp you probably have the same deal like me and Stomp have a pretty big network of friends that are into hiking but like I there's a ton of people that I don't even I haven't met them in person I just know them from like (laughs) talking online about hiking and whatnot but it is like I feel like the more the if you're doing like a list like the 4,000 footer list and you're involved in social media at all like you start you don't even you don't just bag peaks but you sort of bag friends as well like you just start getting to know certain people and now stomp it to the point where like we'll see people's names pop up on search and rescues and i'll be like oh yeah i've seen that guy on social media like (laughs) i'm I'm not going to be too i'm not going to be too judgmental on him because i know that he's out a lot so it is
1: um, but i think mike your your arc is like the biggest you went from axe murderer (laughs) on jewel trail to trail friend i mean that is a hell of an arc
0: Oh yeah. Well, you when you can, I like I still I still like think of Beth Lynn's face, and she's like, and I've gotten that. I, I many women in college gave me that look, so I know what that look like. She was just like, this guy is a weirdo freak. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I broke down the walls so. though.
1: <laughs> we could start like uh, advocating for safe spaces, like boxes in the middle of the trail somewhere that people can hide in and just sit in there.
4: Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's actually, so
0: that's a good segue. Is um, So have you guys segue. met, like, I, did, I usually ask, like, have you ever had a search and rescue? But I do, like, I know, like, female hikers sometimes will run into people that, even well-meaning people being like, you know, where are you hiking to or whatever? Like, have you guys run into any creepy people while on trail?
4: Mindy, tell the owl's head story. Well, I don't, there wasn't a really creepy person on the owl's head. He's talking about a creepy person. I don't remember a creepy person. I, I remember scary things on owl's head, but I don't remember a creepy person. The light flashing person oh oh okay right okay so we were on um Lincoln Woods evening Lincoln Woods after we had hiked Owl's Head so we had planned it that we would end up walking out on Lincoln Woods in the dark we had planned that because we were hiking Owl's Head in the fall so the daylight was very short so we had we had our flashlights out and Lincoln Woods as you know is just It's very, it's straight. So you can, in theory, see straight behind you and straight in front of you. So we're going along and I see that there's someone with a flashlight behind us. And the person comes up to us and just says, coming on your left thank you, sir. He just went ahead. The next flashlight comes along and I'm waiting for the person to do the same thing because Bethlyn and I were kind of going slow. We were just hiked, you know, that terrible mountain called Owl's Head. We were slow. This person didn't catch up. So I turned around and looked and the flashlight was off. <laughs> and I thought, well, that is strange. <laughs> weird. So we kind of kept going along. And then, then the flashlight was back on and it was real close to us. And that is when I started to kind of freak out a little bit like this guy or I don't know. I don't know what was happening. So I said, Beth Lynn, this uh, flashlight is close behind us. So we started to walk a little faster. And I said to her, do you think you could run right now? Like, do you think that you could run? And she said, oh, no, definitely not. So we looked back, flashlight off again. When the flashlight came on again, we ran. (laughs) After doing Owl's Head, which is what, like 19 miles, we had been hiking. We're not fast. So we had been hiking for probably 12 or 13 hours. We ran on the way out. So I don't know what that person was doing, but they were, I think they were intentionally trying to scare us, to be honest, getting closer to us and Flashlight,
2: and when we got out to the parking lot they never came out of Lincoln Woods we like we got in the car had doors locked and we we're like kind of getting ourselves situated we were sat there for like 15-20 minutes and they never came out of into the parking lot
0: yeah it's uh, like people are so weird like I what I've learned is what I tend to do is like when I'm within like hearing distance of somebody I always like knock my poles together And like, because the worst thing you can do is like startle people. So I'll knock my poles together and then I'll wait for them to sort of like turn around. And even if they just turn around a little bit, I'll be like, hey, I just want to give you a heads up that I'm coming up behind you. I don't want to scare you. And then 90% of the time it's like, so that's what you need to do. Like if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a guy, a girl, whatever. If you're coming up behind somebody, especially if it's dark out, just announce yourself. It's not difficult. So. Yes.
4: Yes. And that's what the other people were doing, and except this individual was not doing that, and that is why I felt like he was doing it intentionally to scare us. Is, is the feeling that I got is he was trying to scare us? I would say that there was probably there was one other time Beth Lynn and I were on Wildcat, and Beth Lynn is very social and very excited about hiking, and so she had her map out and she was looking at the map, and this other guy was supposed to be looking at the map. He was not looking at the map. I was ready to poke him in the eyeball with my hiking stick and do it, but I just kept looking at Beth Lynn like. We need to go. <laughs> this is not okay, Bethlyn. We have got to go. So, Bethlyn and I, I, when we're out there, we are very aware and very, I would say, careful and protective of each other. Because it is a weird thing, that two women hiking together without, you know, we're, we're not that big of, of girls. So, we just to be careful, for sure.
1: I know who it was. It was Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) And then, um, so, so you've been, you've been hiking together. So Bethlyn, it sounds like, did you keep the navigator function or did you both sort of take over that, that responsibility?
2: Um, I think Mindy and I are both really responsible about our hiking and really careful. Also, we don't want to end up on your sounds like a search and rescue page. Um, so we pack all our stuff um no i think it's pretty mutual mindy i mean i what do you think
4: i think i think we use different things different ways of researching and our combined efforts come up with this idea because i think we use different tools to research a hike that we're going to do
2: i do the guidebook look at the map um we sometimes look at like all trails to give us our like Loops and stuff like that. And then for reference and Mindy's a big YouTube information and things like that. But we usually come up with our plan way ahead of time. And then we investigate and discuss best possible trails. What would be our ideal trail to hike and, and what would be our least favorite way to go up a, a mountain and that kind of stuff. So it's pretty mutual. I think we, it, I think the biggest thing for us is just picking the mountain. And then figuring out weather, but we we both are very aware of where we're going and what we're doing and what's happening at this point.
1: I don't want to do that mountain. You did. We you picked last time. No, no. Let me. Pick. <laughs> you know what my wife and I have.
4: That's right. I use the YouTube.
1: Uh, do you? Yeah, that's good. We have a. Um, an old, like, blue glass bowl. That's actually my 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 Oma's from Germany. It survived, like, the travel from Germany before the war, and it's it ended up in my possession. And what we've done is we've cut up scraps of paper, and we write down the names of different trails and hikes, and we throw it in the bowl. So when the two of us come down to picking a, a hike, we'll dig into the bowl and, blah, 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 you know, ruffle them up and pull out a hike. So that's how we've come up with that method there <laughs> it works out pretty good
0: <laughs> and it's like every every uh, piece of paper in the bowl is now welch dicky
1: <laughs> there's some funny ones though like some some will pop up and we'll both be like nah
0: <laughs> yeah no no <laughs> but I, cool. I
4: use youtube so i can look at how scary it's going to be in reality because pictures are one thing but a video on a trail Will really show you. So then, I will send the YouTube video to Bethlin, and I will say, "I am not going up this way." <laughs> That's usually the way. It is.
0: And and Bethlin, I feel like so. I, I talk to you guys about hikes every once in a while, and I feel like you must spend some time as like the the on trail therapist for Mindy sometimes to just kind of talk her down on you know anxiety about concerns about the the trail conditions
2: um it balances out because Mindy does a lot of personal life therapy for me so on trail therapy it's perfectly fine but yes yes I think that's true I think Mindy has um grown a lot in her trail experience and um we've also experienced some Uh, here I'm just gonna put the disclaimer out there because Mindy and I both agree on this don't ever hike Walden Trail um, on the way up to Passaconway. Conway. It's death and it's terrible and we all hate it. Um, maybe somebody would disagree, but we hate it. It's it's death. Um, so our mantra for most of our hikes after Pasa Conway was, um, at least it's not
0: Walden. Hmm.
1: It's really funny because... Pa-
0: yeah, I don't know if I've been on that trail. Have you been on I that trail? I haven't, but
1: Passaconaway Conway in general has a really deep spiritual vibe about it. There's no question about it. Like Dicey's Mill... The whole area is just like a spooky vibe.
0: It's haunted. It's, it's haunted. Be. It's the creepiest. To me, it's the creepiest peak. It, like that peak on the top is like, like if I was like in the Illuminati and I needed to do like a sacrificial ceremony, like I would pick the peak of, of Passa Conway because it's like this like wooded circle, like creepy. It's creepy. I do not like it. It's Well, haunted. I'm
4: never going back there. I can tell it. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen. Uh, you know, as an example of Beth Lynn and I uh, on that Walden Trail, there is this one section that is described in the AMC book as a broken, jagged, rugged cliff. And you do – I uh, Beth Lynn got up there. Um, I'm not even sure that I can explain it, but you, there's almost nowhere to put your foot, and you have to kind of go sideways up this thing. And once you're up probably – I'm going to say it's 15 feet in the air. You then have to turn your whole body, and there's barely any there's barely any footing at all. I had to take my backpack off and uh, hand it up over my head to Beth Lynn while I barely had any footing. And it's the one and only time that I was swearing directly at Beth Lynn because <laughs> <laughs> I just – it was it was horrible, and <laughs> when we got up to the top of that, I
2: am go ahead. Mindy doesn't swear, but she swears when we're hiking together, and then I laugh and take videos of her.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I know that Walden Trail. I actually, you know what? Now that I'm looking, I'm looking at Gia right now, and I remember that section. So it's like it's basically like the. You know, when when you come in from Oliverian Brook, if you come in on that side, like it's, it's, it's Terrifying. just a lot of That's rocks and it's, <laughs> it's low key, like Passa is like low key difficult. Like there's a lot of like uh, rock scrambles and chimneys and stuff like that. Like East Osceola, Osceola gets a lot of like publicity for the chimneys, but like feel like Passa Conway's got that, that section of it has like these chimneys that are just like, especially like I did it in the rain one time and it was just gross.
1: So. Never been over there. Sounds fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not missing anything, Stomp, so <laughs> I would skip it. But um, all right, so you guys, and then where, where did you finish the 4,000 footers? You guys finished them on the Carters, right?
4: Yep, I did a Carter Traverse.
0: Yeah. How, who picked that? Or did, did that just the way it ended up?
4: I think it's the way it kind of ended up. We, uh, for the most part, had only a few mountains that um, we had done separately. And towards the end, um, I had not done Jefferson, and so we had that one. And then we were either going to end on the Tripyramids or the Carters, And we had some idea that the tri-pyramids was going to be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so we left it until the very end. And also the Carters, we thought that was going to be terrible and long. So we pushed that to the end. It's basically what was, end- what was at the end that we both hadn't done. And that's how that ended like that.
0: Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on finishing. So when you did the tri-pyramids, did you go up the slide?
4: Oh, heck no. <laughs> nope. That's not a Mindy way to go. That's oh, not a Mindy no, no. way to go. Oh, no.
2: We went up Pine.
0: Oh, sorry. So you went up Pine Bend?
2: Pine Bend and then over and then down Sabaday. Hmm.
0: Got it. Got it. Now, would you would you go up the slide, Beth, Lynn, if if it was up to you? Yes. You would? Well, right, well,
2: I mean, I was happy to go the way Mindy wanted to go. Um, I don't think I'm quite as fearful, but I also, I'm happy to go any way that gets us where we want to go.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, you still get some good views, but yeah. So I think we're going to try to get together later this summer and do the bald face loop. So Mindy, you're going to have to deal with your fear of like scary things. Because-
2: oh yeah, Mike. I'm glad that you're going to be, I'm glad we're going to do that together because I need you to help me yeah, yeah, get yeah. Mindy up that soft <laughs> most
4: part. You have no idea what is going to happen, Mike. I think you're unprepared for I, I cling to the rock there. Sometimes there's
0: <laughs> you'll be fine.
4: I'm going to have Mindy's pack <laughs> and Mike, you might be pushing or pulling her. <laughs>
0: I'll bring the, I'll bring a cattle prod with me in case we need to get her up. But
2: Sweet.
0: Um, we'll figure that out. <laughs> Probably have to go perfect. sometime in August, but we'll, we'll figure out a date to get that done. So I'll bring my, Marissa wants to go on that one too. So Sounds awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. So you're done with the 4,000 footers. Is it like, so do you look at it like, all right, I completed this goal and I'm done? Or do you look at this and say like, all right, this was a milestone and I want to keep going?
4: I look at it as, I mean, for me, I just want to keep hiking. And now I know which ones I'm never going to go back to. And I know which ones that I love. So I could just hike the ones that I love, but there's also the 52 with the view. There's, I feel like there's mountains everywhere. It's never in my mind, as long as I am physically capable of it, I am going to hike whatever I can. It doesn't matter if I did it already or not. It doesn't matter to me.
0: And uh, Bethlen, what is your perspective on that?
4: Um, I definitely want to do the 52 with a view because I like
2: having goals. Um, but I'm really excited to do some of our favorite 4,000 footers again. And just any, Mindy and I both like sunrises and sunsets. So I'm excited to have time to focus on that kind of hiking too. Um, like planning that kind of stuff out. But no matter what, we're, going to keep hiking and Mindy's my like par- go-to person because she and I both like to get up early and get it done and and also take our time and and do the whole pictures like we for us hiking is an adventure for sure um it is we are not ever going to be the fastest we've met some fast people and i love them all they're very interesting and some of them are very helpful people but that's not us um for us it's literally about the journey and the laughter and at this point our friendship too i think it's just um it's it's gonna keep going we've got more and more and more and maybe the vermont five
1: that's that is fantastic
0: Oh, oh. oh. I, I was like, "What are you talking about?" Stomp, and now I got the I got the tick I jokes. jokes. Jesus. Beth Lynn knew exactly what he was saying, so I did. Um, I did. All right. Well, so uh, you know, I, I'm glad that you guys are going to keep hiking because I definitely enjoyed <laughs> watching it. And and like I said, like the. You know the friendship, watching it develop, and then watching you know the adventures, and and the the thing that strikes me is like I always deal with Stomp, and he's like this sort of jaded, like nothing impresses him anymore, and I feel like <laughs> you guys like when you hike, like every week, it's like or every hike that you complete is like the most epic, like life changing moment ever, and it's like the so it's fun following around following you guys to see like your. Uh, you know, your perspective on the hikes. And, and it doesn't seem like you've gotten jaded like Stomp.
1: I'm definitely a curmudgeon. I, I've entered curmudgeon territory.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're getting old.
4: <laughs> I pretty much am amazed. Not pretty much. I'm amazed at the end of every single hike. Every single time, I think. I don't think I can make it up this. I don't know. I don't know. And so usually I keep that in the inside for the most part. But every time, I am just so... Amazed by it, and I kept thinking to myself, "Madi, you got to stop being amazed that you can get up here because you've done it many times." But I thought, you know what? I'm not going to stop being amazed because if I stop being amazed, I I don't know. I I just am just I'm just going to keep being amazed, and that's pretty much how that's going to go. It's an amazing thing to be to be able to physically get up
0: there. Yeah, and hiking is an interesting like thing. It's like so when you're on trail, it's not it's not. I mean, physically, you need to be in good condition to do the hikes that we've all done in the four thousand footers, but you know, it's accessible to many people as long as you have some level of fitness, but to get into your car and then like to plan out and figure out like your routes and then to get the gear and all that other stuff, like it is like a difficult activity, you know, and people, I think, don't realize how how much there is to it until they really start getting into it because anybody can just drive up and go go walk in the woods but you know there isn't there is sort of a an expertise that you need to develop over time so um you know, it's it's great to see people do it, but like I give you guys a lot of credit because you were out there every weekend. You had everything well planned. You did not end up on sounds like a search and rescue as a as a victim. So I'm I'm proud of both of you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> great stuff. Thanks. Yeah. So stomp. Anything else you want to cover? Um,
1: well, what, what, actually one thing. I mean, what's what's up with the cancer diagnosis? Is that in the rearview mirror or?
4: It seems like it's in the rearview mirror. They uh, okay. removed they removed the cancer. My anemia went away is probably why I was so sick for a long time in my thirties because I didn't know that I had it. Yeah, and there is uh, basically was dismissed from oncology. So basically, I it's moving forward.
1: I wasn't sure if you had covered that earlier or not. I was sort of distracted. The uh executive producer for the show, Luna, the black cat, tuxedo cat, came in and I was sort of <laughs> distracted. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's good news. Great.
4: Yeah, it's great. Feel good when you can. You just do what you can. That's that's what I think. Feel good today. You might as well live a life that you can. It makes you appreciate it way more than you would have otherwise, for sure. Feeling yeah,
0: good. That's awesome. Great words. Awesome. So, um, alright, so you guys can hang out and we'll, maybe we'll throw some questions over to you while we do our search and rescue segment, but Stomp, we've got uh, a bunch of search and rescue activity to talk about here. So injured hiker carried down Liberty Springs Trail. Um, so Friday, June 25th at approximately 4.30, uh fishing game was notified of an injured hiker near the Liberty Springs tent site. Um, officers responded with a team of volunteers from PEMI Search and Rescue 61-year-old female from Vermont was descending the, uh, the Liberty Springs Trail when she sustained a non-life-threatening lower leg injury. Uh, pretty common. So she was able to descend under her own power on her hands and uninjured leg uh, but when that proved too slow, a passing hiker carried her partly da- partway down on his back until they decided to wait for rescue personnel. And then, sounds like the the crew got there about a mile and a half um, up the trailhead, and they were able to get her down to the bike path and and drove her out to the uh, the trailhead. So sounds like she had a lower leg injury.
1: So. Yeah, essentially at that junction where Liberty and Flume meet.
0: Very good. So um, they must have packaged her up and then carried her down. Yeah. It happens. Bring a splint. That's the lesson learned there. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Uh, And luckily, they ran upon another hiker that was able to carry them out because I don't know if I could have handled that, but this person did. So The next one is, this is an interesting one. So this was on June 24th. Uh, 1145 at night, officers were notified, um, by two hikers of an elderly female in need of assistance at the falling waters trail in Franconia. The hikers had passed this woman earlier in the evening. And as they were coming down the trail, they saw that she was struggling. Uh, they continued up the trail, but then they, they said, well, you know, this, this doesn't seem right. So they turned around and they, they checked on her again and, um, I guess they realized that she was in trouble so it was basically this this woman was an 80 year old woman from Londonderry and she's up on uh, Franconi you know she's she's trying to get to little haystack she's on falling waters she's with a friend of hers also um, a 67 year old woman um, from New Hampshire and it was determined once they got there so they got there at like 2.30 in the morning and they determined that they were gonna need a uh, you know uh, to carry her out so I guess the conservation officer and the two hikers that were on the scene were able to carry her down below um, Cloudland Waterfall. And th- at that point, Pemi Search and Rescue was able to to get there. So around 4.30 in the morning, they, they got there and, and, and got her back to the trailhead around 6 in the morning. So quite an adventure, 80-year-old lady out there hiking.
1: I can jump in on this one because this ties into um the strawberry moon hike that my wife and I did, so we went up to Welch um, the overlook area and bailed out early and I get a call at two forty nine I slept right through it two other calls at about you know half past three in the morning, and it was the fishing game officer with the victim you know making his way down slowly. So, yeah, we met um, another officer with the litter, and we made it up, uh, falling waters. The officer that was involved with carrying this person down the trail was just heroic. I mean, just amazing stuff. So you're talking about almost a mile piggybacking this victim on his back, um, you know, stopping every hundred, two hundred feet or so, then resting trying to call us trying to wake us up what a strange night i i've heard from multiple people that a lot of people slept through that uh that alert and i'm i'm thinking was it the moon what was that what a strange night but it made for a uh uh, a long day let's just say that you know getting up that early and uh but back to the original thing it's like um carrying somebody that long it's an absolute hero amazing you think um a Rottweiler can be heavy. That's 99 pounds.
0: You know, I can tell you that this person was a little heavier. Let's just put it at that, that. Yeah, it's crazy. The new, So the news report um, says they started hiking at 5 in the morning that day, and they did not make it to the summit of Little Haystack, so they de- decided to turn around around 3.30. The previous day. Yeah, they, yeah, the previous day, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they turned around around 3.30, and then these good Samaritan hikers came along around midnight, and they were like, "This doesn't seem right," and you know, they they started moving up, and then they were like, "You know what? We got to turn around." So, thank God those two hikers made that call because, mm-hmm. um, again, you know, this is the uh, the second rescue we've 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 covered where you know r- hikers stepped in to start helping somebody else um, on the trail. So, thank God they called, mm-hmm. and you know, long night. So they were out till five in the morning on June twenty fourth, and they didn't get back to the trailhead until. 6 a.m. the following day. 80-year-old woman. There's been a lot of, um,
1: you know, older folks out on the trails doing some epic stuff, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, yeah, and
1: it's... (laughs) I mean, to my memory, there's at least half a dozen or so.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's tough. Like, you want to say, like, you know, well, 80 years old, you probably shouldn't be pushing it, but then you're kind of like, well, when you're 80 years old, like, I don't want anybody telling me anything. If you can make it up falling waters, like, that's pretty cool, but... She clearly, like, overestimated her her abilities.
1: Now, there are two final ones here. We're going to save one for a future episode. Mm -hmm. On June 28th, there were two rescues that are being reported. The first one involves Franconi Falls, and a second one that came in subsequent just piggybacked right on that call happened at Mount Tecumseh. So June 28th, there was another report of an injured hiker on the Mount Tecumseh Trail in Waterville Valley. The solo hiker reported through 911 that she was suffering a leg injury and was about 2.2 miles from Tripoli Road, unable to continue. And of course, the cell phone was about to die. Uh, This is a very common thing that we hear in these reports. Unable to contact the hiker by cell phone, A crew of rescuers comprised of PEMI, Valley Search and Rescue, conservation officers responded to the trail. They made it up trail about one mile up and they came across the injured hiker and from there they were uh, able to slowly walk her down the trail and gave her water, food and all that good stuff and uh, everybody made it out by 6.30 p.m. I think she got turned around at the summit and went down the wrong trail. So her car was parked at the ski resort and she came down the Tripoli roadside. So, you know, if she had made it out to the road, she would have been looking at a heck of a long road walk back to her car. And that happens sometimes. So you you really should take your time when you're at those turning points and uh, directional changes, decision points as we call them, uh, just so you avoid having a long walk. You know, there were some extra details here. After traveling over some difficult terrain, she felt that she had reaggravated a prior injury. So that's when she called 911, just as her phone died. There it is. The old debate about the phones, yep. the cell phones, and the in-reaches. And, and that's why we're sort of holding off on the Franconia Falls, because there's involvement of a passing hiker with an in device who contacted um, emergency services. So we're going to discuss this
0: at another time. Yeah, I think the lesson learned for this one is like, pay attention to what direction you came in from and just go back that direction instead of going the wrong way. I know people get turned around on summits sometimes, but...
1: Tecumseh is a funny one though. I mean, it's a pretty small diameter summit. I could see how somebody would do that.
0: Yeah, I don't remember that. Like I hiked that with you. I know I I went up there with you and I remember going up and like looking at the view and I, I think, I can't remember that much about that summit
1: but Mm, it's it's fairly tight diameter
0: but um yeah anyway they made it out amen i think the theme this week is like um (laughs) when you're going out for a hike just be prepared like if you come upon somebody that may be in distress um just be ready to step in and help them out i think we talked about that in a previous episode too but in I think too, uh, I think in most of these cases, like fellow hikers, did step in and kind of help helped out. So, just be ready to go into rescue mode if you need to. Mm-hmm. This takes us to the end, huh? Yeah. Anything else, Stomp? Or are we we done? We turned eighteen tonight. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. I can go get some cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes? Absolutely not. We're in a we, we uh, that goes against the uh, the Slasher Podcast Wellness Program, <laughs> response. Right. Uh, this has been good. It's been great. Thank you, for everybody. <laughs> <You're good>. So, <laughs> yes. yeah, and Mindy, thank you so much. And, uh, thank you. Know, we you. Will, uh, we'll talk to the audience on our next show.
3: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information on slasrpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until next time, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike
1: ever.
2: Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots,
4: and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And
3: well, there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Oh! Lieutenant James Nealand, New Hampshire Fishing Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, Hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.